0: What's up, ladies and gents? Welcome to the Elk Hunt Podcast. I'm your host, Cody Rich. And if you're new here, this podcast feed is a place for all of the elk hunting interviews that I've done over the last six or seven years. Some are Wapiti Wednesdays, some are from my original podcast. But I wanted to compile the largest collection of elk hunting knowledge and interviews ever put together, which is pretty cool. And I would love your guys' help getting it out there to the world. So if you could do me a huge favor, uh, this is a new feed. So go leave it a five-star review and maybe tell a friend about it but thank you so much for tuning in and i hope you guys enjoy this elk hunting podcast all right you ready to talk about some elk hunting oh yeah for sure all right you're the elk killer You know everything?
1: I do not. No, no. <laughs> I, I can find elk. Killing, find elk. elk. <laughs> Killing them was a problem this year, at least.
0: Yeah. Well, we did a podcast back uh, a while ago, talked about your goat hunt, all that fun stuff. Um, but now we're going to talk elk hunting. Yeah. Um, and we started talking before the podcast, and I was like, we should save this, because this <laughs> is good stuff. Uh, I also don't want to give too much away, but I don't know if that's possible, So, because like Eastern Montana is getting way too popular. For sure. And we need to tone that down. Yes. <laughs> I
1: hunt strictly Northwest Montana.
0: Yeah, same here. Yeah. So everything we're talking about today, strictly Northwest Montana. Hunt, uh, thick timber, lots of wolves. <laughs> that's my that's my country right there. So did you grow up hunting open country? or
1: You know, I grew up hunting Southwest Montana. Um, just grinding it out on yeah. you know, over-the-counter general tags. Kind of getting my ass handed to me, to be honest. Yeah. And... Uh, you were a permit one year in 2013 in that I hunted it hard, killed a nice bull. And then after that, I just, I don't know, started started sagebrush elk hunter. Pretty much. yeah. <laughs> I realized I was a better glasser than I was a tracker. And um, I just, yeah, I kind of moved out towards that Eastern Montana
0: type stuff. Western Western, Western. 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 Where we glass. Uh, yes, yes. That spot. Yep. Um, it's funny because um, I feel like this is so last year. Uh, I hunted Eastern Montana, killed a bull all day like three, hmm. and I didn't get it. I didn't get a real good feel for it. And I was telling someone this year, I was like, I feel like Eastern Montana doesn't feel like a real elk hunt. I get why some people don't want to do it yep. because, like, growing up being calling and all that stuff, it doesn't. It's like mule deer hunting. Yep. You know, and it's like there's times you find elk and not even, there's not even trees. Yep. And you're like, this is so odd. Yep. Um, but I think the part of me, uh, the part of me that likes it. Or, like, is drawn to, and it, it's just figuring out new stuff or figuring out something I don't know. And Eastern Montana kicked my ass for a while because I was like, I, I, it's just so out of my wheelhouse. I don't get it. Yeah. Uh, and it takes a little bit. Like, I feel like even <sighs> most people who want elk, they'll be drawn to like the national forests and the timbered stuff. And that's where they want to go. Yeah. Do you see that too?
1: Yeah, it's traditional elk country. Right? Yeah. I mean,
0: the tough first thing you do is look at a map, look right. for trees, and then go there. <laughs> you're <there>, you're good
1: <laughs> to go. And if you get more than a mile and a half, you got a little bit of leeway there where you yeah. may not see anybody. Oh, yeah, right. Got, <laughs> <laughs> that the tough part for me, you know, when you're looking at national forest, it's you can kind of look at some stuff and have an idea where elk are. You start mm. moving to open country, yeah. man, that's all off the board. Yeah, there might be elk in. Like a flat sagebrush field, and there might not be any elk on the timbered hillsides. I mean, it's yeah, it's yeah,
0: and that's what that's what has drawn me towards it Mm -hmm. is these like, I just don't understand where to look and like look for elk because like there's no like. Everything I know about elk hunting revolves around looking at terrain and deciding that seems like a good spot to find elk and then being right or wrong and like adjusting left or right. And it's like, dude, the open country stuff is like, might as well just start like glassing into the middle of the prairie. And when you see one, you're there you're But for <laughs> no rhyme or reason. Yep. That's my deduction so far.
1: Oh, well, mine. I mean, this year alone, we had a couple days where we just got it you know, got our ass handed to us. And, uh, that turned into my, let's check this random spot out. And yeah. I think every spot I checked this year was garbage, except for the couple that I was hunting. <laughs> but if you don't check them, I mean, yeah. they don't look like great country, but you never know. I mean, yeah.
0: the, this, some of the stuff I've been hunting, it, there's nothing traditional about it. No. And like I'll go to places that like should hold elk, like little pock, timber pocket stuff. Nothing. Nothing. Yep. And like there might be like old elk shit from the winter. Right. And that's it. Three cows wintered in there. Yeah. Three cows wintered there. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, dude, it just blows my mind. So like when you started in 13, did you struggle or did you get on elk or like did you did you just go out it like deer and, and you were successful or how did that go? You know,
1: that one there, I drew a, a permit in Montana here mm-hmm. and I was 23, pretty green and then realized that I had a good elk tag. Yeah. And uh, I spent every every minute I could up there. I yeah. I scouted from the time I got off work Friday to the time I had to be back Monday. And I m- met a lot of people, just learned a lot of country. Yeah. I just kind of grinded it out, met some people that helped me along the way. And then once I, I killed the nice bull on that deal. And that kind of hooked me. And then since then, I've just kind of... It's just become an addiction, you know, and it's been drive to wherever I need to drive when I need to drive and look at new country and it's, you know, nothing's been easy about it, but it's just, it's just, it's just a matter of spending time. That's the only thing that I've done
0: correctly. For you, is it about finding big bulls? Yes. Why why is that? And I'm asking for my own personal (laughs) question because like, this is like, I, I've learned and this year really taught me this, that. I love love hunting elk. I love bugling elk. I love going and doing all those things. There's a lot of things that I call elk hunting, but I current the current place that I am at with elk hunting is I love finding big bulls. Yeah. I have no problem walking away from a bull yep. because the game was always to find him. Yep. And like to kill him is like it's like a proving thing mm-hmm. to me. But at the same time, like I I can sit there and walk away f- from a giant bull and be content because like i don't know for whatever reason i love finding big bulls yep no
1: it's 100 percent finding big bulls for me i i can look at nice six point bulls all day that's great yeah. but i want to find the next level i don't i don't want to and, and nothing against the guys that do yeah, if I, that makes you happy great yeah, you know on. but i am yeah, looking for the top class that's yeah. what i want to find and and honestly, my wife is probably the biggest critic. Like, she she looks at a bull and she's like, mm, weak fronts. I'm like, that bull's 380. A buddy killed a bull a few years ago with me, 381. And when she first seen it, she goes, yeah, big bull, but weak fronts. I mean, and so when she's sitting next to you, it's a little easier to be like, yeah, that's that's a nice bull, you know. And it is. But I want to find the oldest bull and the biggest bull that I can. Yeah. And the and it's just that's the hunt for me.
0: Yeah. Do you feel like that? If you went somewhere else, um, like if you drew a Nevada tag, would that be tough to do or would it be the same? Maybe Nevada's a bad example because I feel like that's the equivalent tag. You know, like you're still looking for that top class. Yeah. But I was like, you know, if you go to New Mexico, there's a good example. Like uh, there's places in New Mexico a 350 bull is mm-hmm. like as top as you're going to get. Yeah. You know, maybe a 320 bull. Like yeah. Oregon, you know, you draw right. a tag in Oregon, it's like 320. You're like, you have to like really curb your expectations. <laughs> right. there, you
1: know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I do think so. I, I think – when I draw some of those other states, mm-hmm. I'm going to have to understand what I'm holding. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, I can't yeah. go hunt 380s in a 350 unit. Yeah. You know, and if I go, can go find what's big for that unit, I'm yeah. all right with that.
0: So, in your opinion, like what what does it take to find a that 360 380 category bowl? Uh, time. Yeah.
1: And then my biggest thing is if you find 340 and you're looking for 360, stop looking at it.
0: Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you
1: know, like you can sit, it's a beautiful elk. You can yeah. sit there and stare at it all day, but you're not. You'll
0: talk yourself into it if you don't walk away 100%. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And that's,
1: and I say this to friends of mine, you know, that are like, how are you keep finding these? And I'm like, well, I quit looking at that one. You know, yeah. I just keep moving. If I, if I'm not finding what I want, I just keep going. And that's, to me, I, that's been my best success. You know, especially during the rut. Is it just a mere miles covered thing? For me, it is. Yeah.
0: And I, you know, I've talked to a lot of guys that are pretty successful in the open country and it does feel like it's just a lot of miles. Yep. And you can't start, the thing about it is, the one thing I've learned is you can't start the miles in September. Right. Like you, you gotta have so many miles on before that even happens. And see, that's where I
1: maybe struggle a little bit is my business does well in the summer. Mm. I'm busy. Yeah. But... I own a weed spraying business. If yeah. it's if the wind's gonna blow, I will I will leave Saturday night at midnight to get to where I wanna be to scout Sunday morning. Yeah. You know, I have to take advantage of the hours I have.
0: Yeah.
1: Um but that's but you have to take those hours. Yeah. If you have the time and you don't go, that's your own fault. <laughs> you know, but yeah, you're not you're not gonna roll out there in September consistently and find big mature elk. Yeah. You, know, you gotta spend some time before before the season starts.
0: So what percentage of bulls um, – you find preseason versus during the rut. So this year, um, I scouted a pretty good amount. I wish I would have scouted more. Was busy, you know. Let's make excuses here, uh, but I just didn't scout. I didn't. I didn't ever turn up a shooter bowl in the scout, like scouting. I looked at a lot of country. Didn't look a lot in particular bowls. And I had buddies that had like top three bowls that they were gonna you know go after and all this. I'm like, man, you guys are like you got to dial <laughs> right. and you know so for me it does feel like it's you know scout all summer and hopefully find a bull to kill early or wait for the rut and then just find herds and wait till you turn up a big bull um and and that route is that is that am I on the right track there or? oh I yeah
1: yeah those are, those are your two <laughs> options yeah. yeah uh I would say this year I did better than in the pa- in years past um there was two real, two real big bulls that I specifically was targeting, and I was able to turn both those up in hunting season.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but in years past, yeah, one out of ten. You know, amongst really? The, yeah, I mean, once the like, rut kicks off, it's one out of ten. I would say so. Like for me to get back on a bull, and and find him in a huntable spot, I have had it to where I found bulls, they've moved to private, and I never get a chance to hunt them. Mm-hmm. But as far as bulls that I can find and hunt them on public land, yeah it seems like one out of 10, it would probably be a pretty solid average. Really?
0: So do you feel like, I mean, so if you don't have a bull, a shooter bull going into season, you're not too worried about it.
1: No, no, I'm going to keep covering, covering the miles, covering the country. Just keep looking. And that's eventually I'm hoping to find, you know, and I, and I'm not a snob here. I don't need to chase the giant, like 380 plus all the time. Yeah. But I want, (laughs) I want a 350 plus bull. Yeah. That's what I'm looking for. Yeah. And yeah, it's doable. It, if you don't, if you haven't found one, but at the same time, we have got, we've got years of looking at the same country Yeah, yeah. at this point, you kind of know where to look. Mm. You know, if, if I was just showing up driving around the roads, <sighs> Dude. it'd be a grind.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's funny. Cause you learn like where, where the people are. Yes. Like nobody scouts. You're never going to see anybody preseason no. and you'll think you'll have a decent spot or a decent herd. And then it's like whoosh, people show up like. and you're like, oh yeah. It's a, there's a lot of, a lot of people. Um, <laughs> Hey guys, real quick interruption to tell you a little secret that I picked up. And if you want to be a good elk hunter, there's one thing that I've noticed that every great hunter I've ever interviewed does that almost every new elk hunter does not do. And it's having a system. And in my own quest to become a better hunter, I set out to learn from all of the best hunters out there. And the one thing they all have is a system that took them years to develop If you want the blueprint that I've developed after hundreds of interviews, go check out the new Elkhunt 201 course. It's a four-step system for being a more successful hunter. This is the fast track that took most of these guys 10 plus years to develop, and even myself. So go check it out, Hunt 201 The link's in the show notes. I hope you guys enjoy it. So far, people have loved it, from new hunters to vets. I've had so many messages, and seems to be a, a big hit. So I hope you guys enjoy it. hope it adds value to your elk hunting career. Yeah, it's interesting stuff. Uh, you know, one of the, th- the problems I had this year, you know, I was like, okay, I'm just going to – my goal – in season because i had to be gone the first week of season i was in new mexico and so when i came back i'm like and there was a you know a couple bulls i was looking for that i had found but at the end of the day i was like okay my goal is to find as many herds as i can like solid five herds six herds and then basically do a roundabout and keep checking them and find the most remote herds i feel this is why it's like so much like deer hunting it was like find remote groups of cows and just keep checking them until a big bull shows up dude I and we were talking about this before the podcast but I feel like big bulls I was like it's perpetual pre there's never big bulls and so if I'm seeing that does that mean there's not big bulls in that area does it mean they just haven't showed up yet because you were saying you had bulls 10 and cows earlier like when you got back to 15th right 100 percent. the God. the biggest bull that I was on
1: was was hanging 200 yards off a, a good cow herd and yeah. um I missed him. And then the next time I found him was, I don't know, four or five days later. Yeah. And he had 50, 60 cows and he never left them. Really? Yes. And I watched that bull till the last weekend of the season and he still had those cows. Really? Yep. And, but.
0: Is that kind of like what's, I mean, what's normal?
1: I would say that's not normal. Okay. I, I mean, you know, I feel like those big bulls move in, breed some cows, and bounce. And bounce. That's typically what I've seen.
0: Yeah.
1: But that bull there, he was an exception. And But he was. He was the most dominant bull. He was a real heavy mat, like just an, another age class above a lot of the elk that were out there. Yeah. And when, I mean, when a bull came in that bull, he worked hard, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. He was keeping his cows and yeah, that's, yeah. you know, he wasn't willing to lose any.
0: Yeah. And like I said, I mean, he, that's was, crazy, which is very, I feel like odd big bull behavior. Yes. I feel like most big bulls, like true big bulls don't care. Nope. If they, like, they'll breed if it's hot, yep. and they won't let a bull near a hot cow. But, like, if a bull comes in and tries to steal five cows and aren't hot, he doesn't really Go care. Ahead. No. It's, like, conserving energy is his, his thing. Yeah. So that's, I don't know, that seems odd. That but, last weekend of season, when we seen that bull, I he had busted his fifth
1: on one side, and I told my wife, I said, man, he looks tough. And he just looked, ganted up, like his, mm-hmm. you could see his spine, it was all emaciated. I and mean, <laughs> He looked rough, but he, he rutted harder than probably any b- mature bull that I've ever seen. Yeah. He, he was getting after him. Like I said, after I missed him, I, I never got close again. It wasn't even. Well, early. okay.
0: So walk, kind of walk through the story there. Cause we didn't tell it on the pod. We told it, we told that podcast, <laughs> or it off the podcast. But, uh, you got back from Alaska, you went on a moose hunt, Yep, came back and you had this target bull kind of picked out, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you went back looking for him. What happened? Um, my wife had been out there and uh,
1: had a pretty good idea what was in the area. And so when I showed up out there, she kind of gave me the rundown of...
0: She, by the way, was hunting solo for like nine days. Nine days, yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. All by herself, hanging out in a tent. Yeah. Yeah, no, she, she gets after it. But uh, yeah, so when I get out there. She had told me what bulls were around. Um, I was after one specific big six point. Put him to bed first day in a draw by himself. Uh, snuck in on him and when I got in he had got up and was grazing he was 90 yards in front of me which was a little farther than I wanted to shoot at the moment (laughs) and so I snuck down the draw gave him a couple cow calls and then ran back to my location up the draw and he came in just like I wanted him to and I don't know if I got a bad range I don't know what I did but I ranged him at 52 and should be a dead elk and uh, I shot underneath him it was (laughs) <laughs> pretty heartbreaking it was heartbreaking man yeah if bows weren't so expensive i might be looking for a new one at the moment but yeah missed him and then like i said i spent the next four weeks
0: so ch- what it, he was not with cows then when you nope. first saw him
1: nope he okay. was hanging on the outskirts of cows he wasn't cowed up
0: so what what do you did, do you think he was following her or was he just doing his thing and the cows were doing the same thing or you know this area water's pretty special mm
1: And it just seemed like he was kind of, just kind of lurking, you know, Mm -hmm. just like he was keeping tabs, waiting for things to really ramp up. And then when it did ramp up. So how did
0: he act differently after you missed him? Like, what was, did he get way more like reclusive? Did he start bedding down earlier? Did he act different or? Nothing different about him at all. Really? He
1: went straight to rutting cows. So that day I missed him. Um, The next day I seen him again and he was kind of in the herd. Yeah. And then, like I said, I was gone for a few days and came back and he had the herd and he rutted nonstop. I could see him every time I showed up, I was finding this bull. He acted just like a rutting young, no. elk. nothing crazy about him. Didn't get reclusive. Didn't get nocturnal you know didn't leave no the only reason i couldn't get close to him was the big herd of cows that he had around yeah. him. well was i was going to
0: say like you missed your one opportunity 100% like. <laughs> yeah i had my chance and messed it up uh, yeah so is that kind of the case do you feel like it's much easier to kill a bull when he's not rutted or herded it up or
1: i prefer pre rut pre rut yeah
0: i do if you can find him
1: if i can find him yep. yeah
0: yeah one of my good buddies he had a a big bull that um was just so nocturnal you know and like just couldn't keep tabs on them yep. but then it's like once they hurt up and then you have a whole different set of issues you know yeah um it feels like if you can find them and pattern them pre-ruts the way to go but not always the case that's that summer scouting <laughs> yeah, right <it's>, yeah. <laughs> oh does he use water because you said water is kind of a big but deal that's the premium yep so how come is it like a personal thing you just don't want to sit water or you could probably sit water but it's a crick
1: and it's not mm. like they they water it a hole. Yeah. It's, a, you know, they're using the whole thing. I've seen them hit a bunch of it for half a mile. Yeah. It'd be almost impossible to pinpoint it.
0: Do you find that, like, a lot of the big bulls do that? It does seem like, as scarce as water is, I keep finding big bulls that are either water on private or water on some creek that's got multiple access points. Yeah. Rarely have I I don't know, maybe I could be wrong but it doesn't seem like the big bulls I've seen want to use, like it'd just be tough. Yeah. You know what I
1: mean? I would agree that they definitely, and they're real leery coming into it. I mean, Mm -hmm. where I'm hunting, I can, I have a good vantage point and I can watch what these elk are doing and, Yeah, I mean, when he goes in, it's not like he walks in, gets a drink, and heads out. I mean, it's a thirty-minute process for him to decide where Uh, he's going to drink, and he just kind of picks his way. He just seems like he's yeah.
0: They know. Yeah, yeah. Do you find it? Is there a lot of people that hunt water in Montana? I I don't
1: think so. Maybe I'm wrong, but uh, I, I I've seen guys sit wallows in the afternoon. I don't think I've ever really caught, like, ran into a guy that's just hanging out, sitting in water. Not like yeah. you do in, you know, the that southern states. Yeah,
0: um, yeah, it does feel like it'd be tough. The, the, I've never really found a waterhole that I was like, oh, this could be great. Yeah. Um, but do you have much success locating bulls off waterholes, like cameras and all that stuff? I run a few cameras. Um, a lot of what I'm hunting, the elk
1: aren't in the immediate area when I'm scouting. Them. Mm. I'm finding these bulls 10 to 12 miles away. And then just from experience have figured out where generally they <laughs> like to head.
0: Dude, I find that that's a common thread. I hear that a lot. Like, uh, uh, you know, scouting bulls that are 20 miles away from where they're going to rut at. Like, that's insane. Yeah. It's tough
1: to figure out. Well, and until you see a bull in the summer and then find him again in the fall. Yeah, how do you even know that? Exactly. That, and that was my thing. Yeah. Y-
0: yep. So how do you figure out, like, where they're going to rut? Is that just a time on target or, like, time on time in the field? Yeah. You know, to me, the, when I'm finding bulls,
1: they might be 15 miles away. But a lot of times the cows aren't. Mm. So like this that big bull last year, he had cows in the area that he rutted starting in July. Mm. You know? And yeah. so I had, basically I had the closest couple cow herds located and
0: he showed up. Is it easier to figure out kind of the cow herds? Because in September it seemed like the cow herds were pretty separated in really small groups. Um, and then the few that I saw in the summertime, I didn't pick up a ton. I was still trying to figure it out, I feel like. But I did find some really big groups, you know, like 90 head, 100 wow. head. Yeah. I was like, oh, this is, this is money. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh, figure this out. But it was funny because some of those moves, some of them didn't. There was one group that had like 90 head, um, and I found that group in August, and I was like, oh, man, no one's going to look here, yep. ironically. Uh, but then there was like only a group of 10. And I think I found another group of 10 that was a little bit farther away. Yep. But I was like, I'm still missing. You know, I was like trying to map it up here. I'm like, I'm still missing 70 cows. Yeah, right. Where did they go? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, I still not have a dial by any stretch of the imagination, but it's, dude, it's interesting. And it seems
1: like it's year to year. It, you know, it seems uh, like there's, at least from what I've I've seen hmm. out east, I'm finding elk in the same general areas, but... Like two years ago, I shot a nice bull. He had eight cows. And in the whole area that I was hunting, there was like 20 cows. This year, like I said, that one bull alone had 50 or 60. And then there was other, a couple other little pockets, cows with smaller bulls.
0: Do you think that's hunting pressure? Is that just ranch style tactics, whatever, hunt people hunting ranches? Like, you know, what are all the variables that like? In that specific area, I think it's, uh,
1: I think it was a water thing. I think we were so dry. Uh, that this, this has a, you know, a year round water source. Yeah. And I think those elk had to push into it. Whereas the year before we had, there was a couple stock tanks that I was finding with water. I think things were just more spread out. And I, I mean, obviously it's not Arizona. We weren't burning up. Yeah. But that's the only thing I could find. You know, I wasn't seeing any more hunting pressure. It's, there's people around, you know? Yeah.
0: But I wasn't seeing anything crazy. What's your thought on hunting pressure? I, It's funny because, like, you get frustrated with the number of trucks, but I don't feel like they're really doing any. Like, maybe they're just driving around.
1: Yeah. Yeah, uh, the, the walking thing's rare. <laughs> you know I mean? Yeah. I, I'm in the same boat. You know, I, I've sat on ridges and watched seven, eight trucks stop and look at elk and then never, you know, you might have to come around a different way to get to where you can hunt them. Yeah. But half the time, they never never do. You know, I, I don't see a lot of actually... On-the-ground pressure. Yeah. And when I do, I usually feel like it's a pretty good hunter, and I
0: try to
1: talk to him (laughs) and make sure we're on the
0: same page. But Well, I was telling you, like, one of the shooters that I found this year, like, just frustratingly near everything, like, just a main road. uh, There's, like, a campsite, you know, like, it's a national fort. I'm like, this is not a good spot to be. And I watch people drive by. Well, it's funny because, you know, I'd be up waiting for daylight so I could look from my glossing point, and I'd watch – I don't know, five, six trucks go by in the dark. Yeah. And then nothing right at daylight. You know, and then an hour or two later people driving around again. I was like, Man, they're missing, you know. The best I, day. I you couldn't really see that bull from the I mean, maybe you would probably see like there's enough cows you probably could have seen. You wouldn't know there was elk right on that mountainside, you know. I mean it's September there's a bull somewhere. <sighs> yeah. Um but it's funny, like I, I I don't know what some people are doing. I I don't think there's a rhyme or reason. I think Everybody has the
1: same, I got to be to this spot. They get something mm-hmm. in their head. I got to be here. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, sometimes, like we said, it's it can be a cover in the miles thing. Yeah. You know, if you're striking out and don't have a clue,
0: I have no problem quote-unquote road hunting for a day, yeah, you know, no. trying to find
1: elk. I mean, well, they're there.
0: It, dude, and like, I have a lot of spots I can glass basically from the road, if not just hiking up a little hill. Mm-hmm. And so I can, dude, you can cover 100 miles and just be like, okay, I'm going to glass this spot right at daylight. Mm-hmm. And if nothing, I'm going to jump in the truck and drive 20 miles over here mm-hmm. and look, and then 20 miles and look. And, you know, because you, you might catch those elk going to bed and and see something you didn't see before. Uh, whereas I don't, man, I feel like, one of the hiccups of hunting open country, one of the things I've had to get, hurdles I've had to get over is this concept of going deeper, because it's it's. I mean, I've made this point about I've hunted the wilderness a lot, and you know, versus like just going in a mile or two, and and you're wasting so much time going ten miles into the wilderness because like you're pot committed to that one spot. Yeah. And elk can cover so much country, and I, that's the thing. It's like you really have to wrap your head around when you start hunting the prairie. Is like you gotta cover so many more miles because the number of elk per square mile is drastically less oh, yeah. than in timbered country, and so it's nothing to be like, okay, I gotta go twenty miles over here, fifty miles over there, yeah. uh, and just cover a lot of ground. Yeah. Um and that's just the, the, the hurdle is like not hiking into places because I need to be more mobile um, to find these elk. And I, I honestly don't – I have not seen any correlation between how far in you go and how big the bulls are. None. Zero. <laughs> Zero. <laughs>
1: uh, that big bull I missed. You could have spotted him from a county road. Yeah. That's, if you knew where to look type of deal, right? Yeah. You'd have to kind of pick around. Yeah. But, yeah, it, it it doesn't matter. And the one thing I think people don't quite understand out east is how far elk move mm-hmm. from – you know from morning to bedding like the yeah. i mean i've watched elk seven eight miles easily like yeah. you know put their head down and just go to where they want to go and i think a lot of people you know they might see an elk on whatever it might be a bit private or you know they're like oh, ah, yeah. drive by it you know can't do anything
0: yeah if you're striking out you may ch- see where it goes, Watch it goes. yeah Dude, i mean the the big bull i found uh the big bull i missed um he there was a herd and a smaller, it was like a 7 by 7 but it's a pretty small bull, uh, in that herd. And I was like, oh, I'll just go up, chase this, and get out of here. You know, like thinking, because I had to go home. And I was like, this will be a good last ditch. Maybe it'll work out. Uh, That bull just, you know, did one of those. Put the whole herd just went gone. You know, like next ridge, next ridge. And I'm trying to follow these freaking elk. Like, Jesus, like, (laughs) how far are we going? You know, like, we're going to the next county here. And, like, I literally sat down and watched these out going up a ridge that was about as far as my probably 2000 to 3000 yards away yep. you know but I'm like I was right behind him a second ago <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like okay I'm going if they if they don't bed down right there if they keep going it's I'm over. done yep. like I, I'm not keeping up Uh, They're already whooped me, but it's like the way they were acting, I thought maybe the bed down and and needless to say, I end up turning up that big bull and he wasn't with that group. He was, I think that group had just walked by him Mm. and I happened to, you know, start glassing up because I was waiting for them to bed down and I start glassing that hillside and I see some more oak and it was like that oak was not that far from, you know, at least a two-track, you know, that you could have got to. It's just crazy. There's no correlation between, like, how far you go in and big bulls. Zero. No, zero. It's not –
1: we're not in the Bob Marshall. Yeah. (laughs) Like, you –
0: yeah, it's it's a different game. Do you think think they stake away from pressure, though?
1: Yeah, I think there's little honey holes, little pockets that they like to – yeah, if they're getting enough pressure, you know, whether it's deep – or, you know, close to a road. Yeah, they're looking for some kind of escape. You know how Onyx has that, like, roadless
0: map? Yes, yeah. Do you think, like, if you could build that under hunting pressure, you'd see a correlation between big bulls? Like, the roads don't matter. Take all the roads out right. and just say hunting pressure because yeah. it could be a private ranch. Like, some of these ranches get hit really hard, yeah. and the bulls tend to move away from those, and sometimes that puts them closer to roads. You know, I feel like... You almost need this, like, new map version that's just pressure-based. Yep. And I don't know how you'd ever do that. Like, I am wondering if you could, like, make your own version where it was like, <laughs> here's – I'm seeing pressure. Uh But then again, I don't know. Like, I see good pressure, and a giant bull will show up in a herd, yep. you know, and it'll be there for a day or two. Well, uh, and,
1: and that's the thing about elk hunting in the rut. Those bulls are going to keep looking, you yeah. know. And if a bull gets bumped, he's just looking for the next target. He might – check out for a day and you know find a hole but yeah you know he wants to breed that's the bottom line he's gonna find some cows and it might be the ones that were 200 yards off the road yesterday yeah but correlation wise yeah pressure definitely has some impact for sure what
0: um what would be your game plan if you didn't have the background knowledge of what you have now um what would your day look like or like throughout the season like um and i talked about how like i just go bounce around looking for groups of cows, secluded cows, if I can, uh, what's, you know, like hypothetically, what's your game plan starting September 15th, you have one week to hunt, uh, but you don't have the knowledge that you have now. You know, I'm, I'd start by finding some probably smaller
1: chunks of public that border private. Mm -hmm. I'd check those types of things, um, see what they got. And then if I'm striking out, I'm going to hit some ground where I can basically catch a ridge and just start hiking glassing hiking glassing i glass probably five to one for as many miles as i walk if i can get up on a ridge and sit there for two days and see elk you know even if i'm a ways off i'm gonna try to pattern them and figure out what they're doing if there's anything they're doing maybe they're not but if i was just coming into montana no idea what i was doing where i was going i'm looking for small chunks of public land i don't i want to get away from the big chunks
0: because everybody else sees those I feel like everyone hits the small ones. Really? I don't know. It's like, I think there's a middle ground. Because I do feel like the the border game seems to be dead. Yep. Uh, everyone's, like, hunting the edge of private. And, you know, like, I don't feel like that's a great game. But I don't think it's... I think it's a good starting point, though. I mean, maybe it is. Yep. But I also feel like you're right. Like, the big... You know, this big chunk of BLM that connects to this river or whatever, whatever. like there's three Everybody dudes sees in there. it. Yeah. yeah there's three dudes in there. Yep. Um, and so I don't know, like it's trying to find like the middle ground. See, and I'm not,
1: maybe I'm in a, in a good spot, like a yeah. lucky spot. I don't know. Yeah. But you know, I've been hunting some spots that are like six sections, you know, which I guess I wouldn't necessarily call small. That's, yeah. You know, that's decent sized. Yeah. But that kind of stuff to me seems like it's been a little bit overlooked. You know, and, and like I said, there's still some guys around, but a lot of guys walk in, yeah. look around, see a couple of rattlesnakes, and they roll out, <laughs> and that's that's the extent of it. Yeah. And if I was if I was taking what I know from my experience in Montana and yeah. trying to attribute it to a new spot, that's probably how I'd start. And if I was striking out, I'm either a going to start hiking and covering country, and then glassing, yeah. or I'm going to cover some roads. And if I can see public huntable ground from roads, that's probably
0: not a bad option. How do you solve the problem of only being able to scout like 10 minutes in the morning and 10 minutes at night? That part's real tough. I,
1: <laughs> you got to pick your, your battles. You know, like what spot you... I, I almost prioritize them. You know, I go look at spots now that I've seen before with big bulls. Yeah. And then if I'm striking out there, I I usually have had a dozen on X points of things I want to look at.
0: The yeah. hard part
1: is you can't be five minutes
0: late. Yeah. You know. Dude, and that's the hard part is like... You go scout that country, any plains, anything, anywhere it's hot, dry, and miserable, elk move for five minutes. Yes. And it's a real thing. You know, in the summer, it's like, God, they just do not move. And so it's like, you get five minutes of scout time, you know, drive however many hours, get five minutes of scouting in the evening, five in the morning, and then sit there for 10.
1: Yeah. 10. (laughs) When it's 95 degrees. Yeah. You know, you're in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. That part's rough. And that's. Yeah. You, you got to be where you want to be, not hiking into it or, yeah. you know, driving up to it. Like you need to be there when it cracks daylight and you need to look at it thoroughly. Yeah. In the, I've watched guys drive by bowls because there's little folds, you know, mm. every, everything that looks flat
0: it's isn't flat, quite flat. Yeah.
1: You know, and there's just little folds and all of a sudden the bull walks up, you know, I yeah. mean, I've been parked next to guys when it gets daylight and they're there for five minutes and they're gone. Ah. Uh-huh. You know, I mean. Just don't see it. No, I, I you wait all year to hunt. Yeah. You might as well be there to look at it, you know?
0: Yeah. And it's like, it's tough. I mean, and that's the problem. I feel like when I started this whole game, having no clue where to look yeah. is like, you don't even know where to look knowing that you have five minutes to look there. Yeah. It's, it's dude, yeah. that's where it takes a lot of time. It's like, you, like once you just get one piece of like, okay, this is some Elky type country. How do I elaborate on this? and um, I know some dudes that are really killers and they've haunted you know the prairie a long time. Uh I think it just takes years of figuring out what looks elky. Yeah. It just a, it's a total different game.
1: It, it is. And that's the problem, is uh from what I've seen, a lot of say Eastern Montana looks the same. Yeah. You know, until you get into a little hole and you're like, oh, you know, look at look at this. This is mm-hmm. covered in bull sign, you know. It, it it's just it's gonna be a matter that that summer scouting's huge.
0: That time in the field. Do you look for like elk sign in summer scouting? Ru- like rubs? Because like, I feel like it's kind of hard. Yeah. <laughs> Ground rubs. <laughs> right, right. I see zero trees. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. No, that part's hard. <laughs> when I when I find most of
1: my rutting sign, seems to be like when I'm kicking around on a mule deer hunt in mm. rifle season. I'm like, oh, there's a, there's a bunch of elk sign in here. I should check this out.
0: Ah. And
1: I would say most of my elk rutting areas have come from hiking
0: around looking for a mule there somewhere. That's, I mean, and, you know, I've said this on other podcasts, but like just time in a unit is yeah. going to teach you so much. And the problem with, let's say Eastern Montana. Eastern Montana is bigger than some states. Huge. <laughs> so it's like, if I was to be like, oh yeah, we're hunting New Mexico. yeah, <laughs> Yeah. <Right. laughs> like it's just so... So huge. Well, and, and that's the thing. You know, people are,
1: people are like, oh, you're talking about Eastern money. Yeah, whatever. It's, mm. it's giant. Like people aren't, yeah. if you want to try to find us, have at it. I mean, it's huge. You're going to waste your season looking,
0: you know? <sighs> yeah. And I've had, and that dude, that's, that's a real thing too, is like managing uh, spots yeah. uh, that are five, six hours apart. Yeah. And it's like, ah, uh, you know, getting burnt out here. Maybe I'm going to run over to this spot. And then you're like, well, that's a five-hour drive. Mm-hmm. I can't even make it by dark. I don't want to waste an evening. Yeah. Or like driving up, you know, like you, you can put some serious miles on a pickup. Oh, you better put some, yeah, you better plan on it and plan yeah. on spending some fuel. You know yeah. I mean? <laughs> I made that post this year. It was kind of a joke. I was filling up diesel for the 4,000th time this year. Okay. And uh, I was like, you know, here's the real secret to finding big bulls. Yeah. And it was like, man, just put some diesel in your Like, but just you can burn some serious diesel. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> you hear so much about this this
1: backcountry want to be this elite fit hunter which yeah. don't get me wrong is very beneficial at times <laughs> but i found a lot of elk from my window mount yeah. you know i mean i'm not saying you're gonna find the biggest yeah. bull all the time but yeah. if you're striking out and you're just
0: looking for an, a nice elk it's doable do you have a bull that like you've seen that got away or like is there one that you're just like man someday i'm gonna find him again i got a bull that
1: that I scouted this year. What's the story? I want to hear the whole story. I love these things. This was a a deal. Good friend of mine and I uh, basically needed a day off type deal. And it was a Saturday. I didn't want to spray. I called him and I was like, hey, I'll pick you up at one in the morning. We're going to drive. And I got a spot I want to look for some milk. He's like, I'm in. Pick me up. So I pick him up one o'clock in the morning. We drive east forever. Get to the spot we want to be. 10 minutes before daylight and it cracks daylight and there are bulls, 30 of them oh. in these grain fields. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's great. But nothing, nothing big, big. Yeah. And we looked and looked and looked and they were headed back to some little bluffs, you know, and <clears throat> we turned around because there's another kind of cut you can't see very well. And I'm like, oh, there's, there's smoke. And he throws up his binos and he's like, Oh, I, I like that one. And I'm just like, I'm like, what is he? And so I, I get out, shove the truck off, get out and look over the hood of the truck. And I'm like, oh my goodness, you know? And so he throws a spotter up and we start videoing this bull. And and this kid's a savvy hunter. He's been involved in some big elk getting killed. And he's like, how how big is this? And we start breaking down numbers. And I'm like, that thing is is ridiculous. So I'm like, that's the biggest <laughs> elk I've ever seen. Yeah. And he's like, all right. And so that was one of my bulls that I really wanted to kill. And I, he was running with the bull I missed. They were, oh, they were yeah, in the same, cool, cool. N- not same herd, half a mile apart, yeah. quarter mile maybe. And so I was hoping he'd show. And he finally did second to last weekend of the season, had a snapped off main beam. No. Missing miss half, <laughs> which in my eyes, I'm like, well, good, yeah. nobody killed him, you know, yeah. but that bull there, that, that thing is. Oh, you still have to
0: make it to rifle. No, I hope nobody shot
1: him with half a beam. But hey, it oh, happens.
0: It happens. this is the upside, I guess. If you get super broke and you're like, oh, at least he'll not get picked up on a rifle. Well, this this bull is a straight six. I think he's got 26 inch fourths
1: and 24 inch fifths. Mm. He's if 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 I've seen a 400 inch elk, he's the one. <laughs>
0: and I'm he's everyone really, struggles to put that number out. There. I not know the same way. I'm like he's 399. Yeah, well, that's <laughs>
1: me, me and this kid. We're crunching numbers and and we're coming up like like low fours. And he goes, let's call him three nineties. And I'm like, know, <laughs> let's do that. But he's, he's unbelievable,
0: you know? And like I said, I, there's something magical about saying an upper three nineties bull. It's just like jaw dropping. Yes. Like it's so next caliber. Yep. You're it, like, Oh my God.
1: Well, I, <clears throat> my wife graduated college in 2014 and I took her to a a little bow hunt camp with me one time. Like I just had a little tent set up and I had my bow there and she shot that thing while we were at camp midday one day for like two and a half hours. And I'm like, you want a bow? And she's like, no, no. And I'm like, (laughs) you sure? And she's like, no, no. And so I ended up buying her one, not long after. And, uh, she, she drew an elk permit in 2016. Yeah. For an archery elk permit. And we hunted, well, we thought we were going to hunt hard. The second day we were up there, she shot a three eighty seven bull. <laughs> that
0: was her first archery elk. And no wonder she's picky about right. Pick right.
1: <laughs> so we we walk up to this bull and it had flipped down a hill, yeah. and it was laying with a horn buried and it's real palmated, big seven point. And she tries to pull it out and she can't move it. And so I grab a hold of this thing and I jerk on it and I'm like, oh my god. I'm like, you don't, you have no idea what she just did. And she's like, this thing is huge. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. it's huge. You <laughs> have, I mean, first archery elk. And so. You know, it, when you walk up on one like that, it's it just, it's, I'm not going to say it gets in your blood, but it,
0: yeah, it,
1: it's an addiction. Man.
0: It's hard to look at every other bull the yeah. same. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. And I feel like, you know what the thing about finding big bulls is, is and even when I was in New Mexico this year and I like two days before a season, we find a shooter, like he's too far away. To, I wouldn't even put numbers on it. Like, and I didn't have a spotter with me, okay. but with binos at two miles away, I can tell you he's a shooter. Yeah. Like Like, all day long. Big bull. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, you just know. And uh, it's like, they just, it's the chess game. I don't know what it is. Like, it, and maybe it's a finding a one elk versus, you know, finding an elk thing yeah. for me. But, like, I, and I, don't get me wrong, like, I'll... I had an extra tag this year and I was hoping like Jaden and I were going to go just like scream at bulls and call bulls. I love doing that. That is elk hunting. Don't get me wrong. Yep. But there's something about, you know, the work, the hours, the effort, the years it takes to see one of those big bulls, not to mention the chess game that ensues to like, it's just so different to me hunting one elk versus an elk. It's hard. It's just, it's the next, it's, I don't want to say it's the next level, but like, but it's kind of the next level. Yeah.
1: (laughs) I mean, it is. You're, when you're hunting elk, you're going out there to look for a nice bull. Yeah. When you've found, once you've found one, whether it be in July or September 20th, once you've found it and you're like, oh, that's the elk I'm going to kill, to stick with that
0: and truly try to get it done is really,
1: really challenging
0: here's a great example because in new mexico so the guy that went with me uh patreon and he you know he's like wants to hunt big bulls Mm -hmm. and i mean he'll listen to this podcast and him and i had this conversation and i'm like okay hunting big bulls is different and so like in this scenario we find a shooter two days before season but you can't bump this shooter like it's not like oh let's go in and if he bugles cool if he if we screw it up We'll just get back on him. Like, that's not how this works. No. So it's like, you have to play the safety net. And then it becomes, you know, it's 90 degrees. we got a rough idea that a water hole that's near him. The best play on this bull is to sit the water hole in the evenings because the wind's garbage. You know, maybe you can kind of like work around the edges on the morning hunt. But the last thing you want to do is disturb your chances at an evening hunt. So it's like you have an evening hunt. Which might be ten minutes. Which yeah, is probably <laughs> ten minutes. <laughs> right. Which you actually probably was. Yep. Uh but you should probably get there about ten AM because you don't know if he's gonna water in the middle of the day. Big bulls can't do that. And so then it's like you're sitting water for six, seven, eight hours a day for hoping. And then you the worst part is like you can't even just go force it because you know if you force it, it could go sideways and then it's game over. Yep. You know what I mean? And that's that's a real the tricky part. Whereas like back when I used to just, you know, bugle and chase elk, it's like that one blows up onto the next Go one, to the neck, yep. next one, next one. And that's fun. And they're both, they're different sports. Yeah. I don't know if you can say that, but I feel like they're just different sports. Yeah, definitely. The,
1: when you're bugling, chasing, riding bulls, you're just being aggressive, having a good time. Yeah. You. I it's mean, it's fun. fun. It really is. Yeah. You know, and when you bring it, even if it's five raghorns, when you bring it in, right. It's fun. Elk yeah. are coming in, you're bugling, you know, you're speaking their language. When you find a bull that you want to kill, like one specific bull, I'm not going to say you can't be aggressive, but you better be
0: smart. Yeah, you know. And well, like, did you get nervous, Calcon, at that shooter bowl this year? I feel like, th- I mean, you kind of played this safe. Like, if it went, it wasn't going to go sideways, right? But it could have not worked out.
1: Yeah, I didn't get nervous about it, um, but. You, you don't want to give a bad like you don't want to give anything up. You yeah. know, I was in a pretty good spot to where I I had enough of a roll in hill and a deep deep cut. He'd have basically had to come look off the hill to see me. Yeah. So I wasn't I was in a good spot to do it, but where I start getting conservative is when I'm sitting above one mm. waiting for him to make the wrong move. I feel like if you do that for 2 3 days, Eventually, you start to get impatient. You're like, I got to take a chance here at some point. Yeah, I got to yeah. shoot my shot, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In in two year, 2019, I, I basically did that. I spotted a big bull. He had eight cows in a spot that technically my wind was bad. And I told my wife, I said, let's set up camp here. We we're back in in eastern Montana. <laughs> um, we, I'm like, let's set up camp here. And I said, and we'll, I'm going to go kill that elk. And she's like, the wind's bad. And I'm like, we're all right and so she stayed at camp in the spotter and watched the whole thing and that was a deal where I was basically telling myself I'm going to test this and if it's bad I'm going to back out yeah. but I think it was it was 85 degrees and yeah. like I think the wind the thermals are pulling up hard enough yeah. I can get this done and when I was coming up he was right on the back side of the saddle and when I was sneaking over the top on him the wind was at my back mm-hmm. and I got five yards from the top and I felt thermals pull up and I'm like oh this is over Yeah. and I stepped over sat down
0: and shot him I mean Sometimes so, you got to like force it. You got to be aggressive, but you can't be dumb. Yeah. <laughs> you know? and, and on big bulls, it is a thing because I've sat there and should have shot my shot on big bulls and then like they changed hat like, went to a different spot and I'm like, now it's worse yeah. uh, or whatever. Uh, that bull I missed this year, I would... N- never if I had more days never would have made that stock it was terrible stock like terrible like I had to crawl into his face because the wind was like right you know the way the wind was and I same thing I was like okay hopefully I get down there and the wind's doing this but if not I'll have to do this you know best case scenario and uh, but it was it was like okay it's now or or we're not like I gotta go like let will just make it happen and you know forcing that hand gave me a shot and who knows? The wind would have spooked. I probably would have blown them out, you know, but... It was your last day. Last you last day to, yeah, had you do. had to make a move. Um, but I've, I've done it the other way. I've been too conservative. Yeah. Then New Mexico is a good example. I think, you know, in hindsight, we could have been less conservative because we ran... Well, we ran yeah. out of time. Mainly we ran out of water. We just had to pack water, filter water. We ran, we ran out of filters uh, <laughs> and then ran out of pack water. So it was like, you know, ran out of time. Yeah. Uh, maybe, you know, in hindsight, you'd be more aggressive. In your experience... Would you say you've had success being more aggressive or less aggressive, more patient?
1: More aggressive, probably. I think early on in my hunting, I would sit back and I wanted the perfect scenario. I wanted the wind in my face, walk up to the elk that's better, you know. Blindfolded better. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. And and it just doesn't ever happen that way. (laughs) And I've kind of, anymore, I'll test the limits, but but I've got enough experience. I feel like I know yeah. when it's not going to happen. And I've been in a spot where I'm like, this isn't going to work and I'll back out, you know, yeah. but I, I will push the limits probably more than I should. But I'm also, I'm also in a spot where I guess if I do screw it up, I'm, I'm having luck turning these bulls back up. Yeah. I don't feel like it's a one and done deal just because yeah. of the spot I'm hunting,
0: but no. And it also helps if you have multiple shooters on the hook. That helps. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the bull I called tops, I got a little bit aggressive with him because there was another bull right there that I knew, you know, if this doesn't work, I got this bull, you Mm -hmm. know, like, and it wasn't ideal. Um, but sometimes you have to be aggressive and like, I I feel like that's kind of one of those things you learn over time is like when to be aggressive and when not to, you also have to be within striking distance to ever kill an elk. Exactly. You know, and that's the thing is like there's a fine line when we talk about like walking away from a bull you're not going to shoot because I'll get Multiple times this year, I was, I was like, oh, "I'm just gonna watch this bowl." I was like, "If I watch this bowl any longer, he's gonna die." Right, right, yeah. <laughs> like actually, like especially if it's uh, a great setup, and you're like, "Oh man, the wind is just perfect. Yep. Let's see how close we could get." No, don't yep. ever like see. Don't ever practice stuck on something you don't. No, hundred percent. That's what I'm saying. You see 340, and you're yeah. looking for 350. You better walk away because yeah. you will. Kill at that the up. same time, at the same time, uh, you have to be within striking distance. So if you sit up on top, and you got a shooter bowl, and he's in a Marginal spot. I've done this too, where you know you're like, oh, I'm going to sit here and wait, and see what happens. And you're like, Shh. if I would have been in that spot, I could have made a move right now. Yeah. Um. And so, being close enough to not risk at all, yeah. But close enough to make a a move if something goes right is is important you know if
1: if nothing else but though you got to be in the game (laughs) yeah you know you can sit on the sidelines and look at elk all day but you can do that from your back porch if you want to yeah you know if you're gonna hunt elk
0: you better be where you can make a move yeah it's
1: it's not doing you any good to hang out out there just to look at them
0: yeah what's the what's the one thing you've learned maybe this year maybe the last couple years like uh big bull behavior wise that's that's you know like that's stuck with you or like what's different about big bulls
1: basically what we what you said, If once you bump them, they're going to leave for a minute. You mm-hmm. know, and it's not... I feel like I, I've bumped some elk that didn't really know what happened, still wanted to get back to their cows. Um, like even that big bull this year, when I bumped, when I missed him, he ran a long ways. <laughs> he came back to his cows the next day, but he ran. I mean, he didn't slow down. It wasn't like I was going to watch yeah. him go up the hill. Once you... Once you bump that elk or make a poor choice, uh, you know, m- see what happens. But I'm, from what I've seen, they're not sticking around to give you chance number two. Yeah. And that's been the one thing that I've had to had to get used to or or learn to live with. Like if I'm gonna be aggressive, and flirt with the line of dumb. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: if I blow it up, I might blow it up. Do you, you know, that bull came back the next day, which I feel like is rare, but I don't have enough experience. Um, You know, in your experience, do you feel like that bull is going to come back three days later? Is he going to go find a different herd? I think the only reason
1: this bull came back is because I that was where the cows were. And I think that was due to the fact that that's where the water was this year. Mm. I think on a normal year when things are spread out a little bit, I I may not have ever found them again. I think that's what drove him back.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But a lot of times if you've, you bump a bull and find him? Do you find that he's like miles away? Um, yeah. Kind of the same. <laughs> yeah,
1: I do. Uh, you know, I, I had one um, 2016, no, 2018 that we bumped, big bull, and we lost him for a week and a half. We found him five miles away.
0: Really? Yep. Yep. And <sighs> so it's either like they're right there or they're gone. Exactly. And I, dude, I, so I struggle with this. One of the bulls, and I i would like to find him over the bull I'd missed. Um, you know, he just disappeared on me. I don't think I ever bumped him. The first night that I got on him, I had him at 70, and a cow had me pegged, and so I started raking and hoping that he would just step out. And he, the way, he was right there. He was within 70. He just was behind a tree, and then he turned and walked straight away. But he was right there the next day. Anyway, he disappears. I still don't know where he went. But then I was, like, looking for him. And I'm like, man, he could be anywhere. When you figure a bull can go, you know, five miles, 10 miles, like,
1: yeah.
0: how, where do you start? I So if I was, say, in the wilderness or if I was in a lot of other places, I've found big bulls and I've bumped them. And usually in big mountain country, one drainage over maybe two, yeah. uh, you know, then I'll start circling back to where he was. But I'm thinking like within within two miles yeah. he's in a drainage somewhere yep. and my go-to has always been like when in doubt he's right where you left him yep. because so many times i've bumped big bulls looked in over an entire mountain and then gone right back to where he was and he like up. that's that's where he was yeah. um, and that could be take a day or two but man i just don't even know where to start in eastern montana it's like 20 <laughs> miles <laughs> So I put up flyers on? Uh, right. posts, like Looking for big seven. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. That's the, that's the tricky part. When I'm in hunting an area, if I'm hunting in a spot where I've got other nice bulls or shooter bulls, I'm just going to keep hunting. Mm-hmm. And if that bull shows Smart. back up, I'm good with it. Like then I'll yeah. go back to making him my target bull, you know, and if I take a week and I'm, I'm going to hunt this spot cause I've got multiple elk and I'm just not finding what I want. And I've seen, like, say yeah. I bumped a bull early in the hunt and he hasn't come back, then I'm going to go to a plan B that I have that may be five miles away. Five hours away. Yeah, exactly. But I'm not necessarily just going to chase that bull.
0: Yeah. You know, I'm going to keep hunting what I know is good and where I know I've got it Because it could be a waste of time. And that gets down to, like, you got to make some decisions. And that's one thing I've learned about over there is, like, you can easily waste days. Yeah. And it's just because, like, you have such a limited amount of time to make those things happen yeah. that you really got to – be smart about it. So if you waste a morning and evening and, a, you know, another evening uh, or another morning, it's like that's a couple of days you've burned through. Yeah. And like time flies. Well, and out there you don't see anything great,
1: right? You can mm. see a lot of country, but you're seeing 30% of the hillside. Always. Everything's so broken. It's not like you're just going to, mm-hmm. no matter what you feel like, oh, I can see a ton of ground. You might no. be, but you might not be seeing where he's at. Yeah. You know, whereas if you drive down on, on a mountain, you know. You look at some. You hey, look at the canyon. You see everything. It's everything. Yeah, you can see the whole thing sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, it's different out there. You're when you lose an elk, it could become a problem. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> if that's the one elk you're after, it's tough.
0: Uh, Be, and like not to mention, like let's just say fifty percent of the ground you can't hunt because it's private. Yeah, uh, there's that whole deal. Yeah, that's,
1: that's a problem <laughs> too. Yeah. Yeah.
0: No, it's interesting. It's. Um, I can see how people don't like it. I can see how it becomes. Uh, it's just different. It's totally different. Yeah. I People, I think, do
1: come to Montana or wherever, you know, Idaho, whatever it might be, to get to the mountains and just go. They mm-hmm. don't want to look at a GPS. They don't want to look at a private-public boundary. And that's a, a good option. There's peace of mind there, for sure.
0: I also think if you have a week to hunt, even if you have a week, maybe 10 days, mm-hmm. Eastern Montana is not kosher no. for that. Because, <laughs> no. like, I do feel like hunting midday is virtually impossible. It's almost a waste of time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so you have limited hours and like, I don't know. It is tough. It's super tough. Yeah. I think hunting a week in Montana is really tough. Yeah. Yeah. No, if I was, if I
1: was coming to this state to to chase, just wanted to hunt a nice bull, mm. I would pick something where I could yeah. disappear. Th- there's easier ways to kill 300 bulls. Definitely. I'll tell you that right now. 100%. Yes. <laughs> 100%. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's a time spent in the field thing. And I feel like if you come out here and hunt, whatever it be, some general tag, and start to dial that in, you're gaining enough knowledge that maybe you could, your learning curve for out east might be quicker. Yeah. You know, you might be able to narrow it down for, maybe.
0: Yeah. Maybe not. I do feel like, though, in, in like where I'm at is like, I want to, since I was a kid, I want to chase 350 bulls. And I think that eastern Montana is great for that. Yeah. Um, They're few and far between. It's not easy. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Oh, you have to grind. Yes. Grind. Yeah, and they're not behind every tree. No, you know, surprisingly. And, and, yeah, I know. Which is weird because there's only like 14 trees. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, it's
1: all flat, rolling sage yeah. <laughs> no, it's, but I think, you know, a couple of big elk get killed and people are like, oh, I'm going to roll out there and shoot one of them. It's not how it works. You know, yeah. there's a
0: lot of hours. There's a lot of guys that spend a lot of hours. That's the, that's the ticket. I know some dudes that kill big elk in Eastern Montana and not one of them. Does it quickly. <laughs> no, no, without a doubt. No, it's like they use the entire season. Yep. They start scouting in January. Yep. And they freaking put miles on a pickup.
1: And they've seen, they've seen the same bulls. They've got a catalog yeah. of the same bull year after year after year.
0: Yeah.
1: And one year they find him, and the next year they don't see
0: him. You know, I yeah. mean, Dude. it's a time in the field thing. Yeah, it's, lots of hours, which is intriguing, man. I, I like it. It's a good option to have. There's going to be some people pissed about this. About Hunt? Eastern, no, talk, I was podcasting about Eastern Montana. Oh,
1: that's
0: <laughs> what it is. I, you know,
1: I, I don't ever give up a spot, but if somebody's going to spend the time to really try to figure out where you're at, it is what it is. Like, I, I can't, you can't stop somebody. And well, if you kill the anything, The irony good,
0: is, like, uh, the best elk i found were not in the, my favorite spots right. by any stretch this year. Yep. Uh, I had, it was funny, I posted a picture in a burn uh, a bull and a burn. That narrowed it down. <laughs> and somebody DM'd me on uh, Instagram like, oh, uh, I saw that bull, you know, in that spot or whatever. And I was like, off the top of my head. And it was like, "You, I couldn't tell this bull apart from any other bull. Yeah. It's just a six. It was a, you know, 326. Yeah. I could think of four burns that looked identical to that burn yeah. in my head of spots I knew. Right. And I don't know if he was just like, Pushing it out there see if I'd be like, oh, it was up here or whatever. Right. You know, like, I, I feel like that was like, oh. And he's like, he, he said something else. I, and I felt like it was maybe searching to see if it was his spot or maybe that was just, you know, ah, who knows? Maybe he didn't know about it. Yep. I never even went back there, so it doesn't really matter. But, like, at the end of the day, it was like, there's so many burners that look like
1: exactly like that. I had a guy talk to my wife this year. Oh. Not knowing who she was and say... Yeah, I've been following this guy on Instagram, <laughs> and she and so she then she's mad at me. She's like, if you would quit posting, <laughs> these guys wouldn't. And I'm like, Shine, they don't even they don't know you, and they I wasn't there, you know. So she calls me pissed off. And yeah. yeah, I mean, people are always digging, right? And if you kill a couple of nice bulls, people really start digging.
0: Yeah, yeah. I have a friend that he's killed a lot of nice bulls. And I always laugh because people try to figure out where he hunts. And that mother effer hunts from the Canada border, like, you know, the entire state. Yep. And he knows every elk in the entire state. Yep. Uh, And that's like, I think it's comical. Because like when you say someone hunts in eastern Montana, I know dudes that hunt every corner of eastern Montana. Without a doubt. That is like to the T. Yep. So. Yeah. No, that's that's exact. It's a, if you'd spend that
1: much time working on the hunting part of it <laughs> on Onyx for yeah, instance. Exactly, yeah, <laughs> exactly. You you're really on to something mm. Then That's
0: time well spent. Yeah. Yeah, for sure, man. Yeah. Um uh, dude, I'm stoked. Well, it's only 5 months away, 6 months away. We're getting close, right? Getting close. It'll be, well, yeah. And the When do you start scouting? Uh I don't
1: I don't know that I stopped <laughs> I mean, I'll drive out in the winter to look yeah. at wintering bulls to see what made it through and, yeah. and that kind of stuff. I I really enjoy that, actually.
0: Really?
1: Um, I don't shed hunt a lot of the country that I hunt just because it's a timing thing for me. I don't have a yeah. ton of time that time of year. And so
0: that's one time of the year where I probably lose track of things. Uh, but
1: then I'll start looking for elk again, like mid-June to 1st of July.
0: Well, your average scout trip, are you just bombing over for like an evening? Because my, my go-to now... Uh, I like going during the week mm-hmm. and it's a little bit easier for me. So I'll just bomb over and do an evening and a morning scout yeah. and then bomb back. Cause I feel like it wastes, I don't know if it wastes less of a day. So I'm not hanging out all day or whatever. Yeah, But I would also like to be able to go like two days or something. When I'm scouting, um, well, like I said, with
1: owning a sp- spraying business. If That's the tough. weather looks bad, if it looks like rain or wind, I'll leave right then and yeah. I might go for the whole weekend. If it's a deal where Saturday is windy, I'll go Saturday. Like I said, I'll leave in the middle of the night, yeah. go spot Saturday morning and then drive back
0: to hunt or to spray. Yep. So just scout the morning.
1: It's it, it, as many hours as I can get in. If I can get. If you had
0: the choice, would you scout an evening or a morning? I scout a morning. Really? I would because I feel like what's out is out. Whereas in the evening,
1: if you get a hot evening or a thirty mile an hour wind, or they might just hold up in a little canyon,
0: you know. That's true. In the morning, you can like glass a spot and then bounce. like you're like it's no. They're there. They're not. Yeah. The evening's tough because you're like you're waiting, waiting, waiting. You're like, gosh, should I go check this spot? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I had a spot scouting this year.
1: I spotted a morning, found a bunch of bulls, watched them go into a drainage, and then was back there that night to look again. And I was beginning to wonder if they left and they mm-hmm. showed up like 10 minutes before dark. I mean, they just started showing up and I'm like, well, I might've wasted some time here today, you know, <laughs> but no, I, whatever day, whatever time I can sneak in with what I have for a business, um, I'm, I'm yeah, doing it. Yeah, That's the hard part. I just try to
0: take advantage of it. Yep. 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 That's awesome, man. yeah well, I feel like it's right around the corner. I do one tip that someone gave me, it was like scouting, Snowstorms like tracks don't lie, yeah. and in country that is so void of animals, like you can learn a lot just by the tracks, yeah. even you know, in January, even February, whatever it may be. Yep. Um, you know, yeah, I mean, you won't find bulls or whatever, but hey, finding elk is half of the battle. You know, once you uh, find someone, uh, you can dial it down, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's like that's that's the, the rip in the seam that opens up everything. It's like you just got to start finding elk, yep. finding new elk is. That seems to be the name of the game, Finding New Elk. Yep, yep. And I mean, you can roll into a new spot. Like, you know, if a guy hunts a spot that he's
1: never been to before and he gets a snowstorm in that deal, you got a pretty good little hand there. Yeah. You know, you could almost treat it like a lion hunt. You could start yeah. going until you cut tracks or cut a nice yeah. bull track, you
0: know. Yeah. Just gives you another option.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Awesome, man. Well, thanks for jumping on. Um, we'll link to Instagram, all your giving up all your spots on that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sounds good. All right, buddy. Thanks, Carter. All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in to the Elk Hunt podcast. If you love elk hunting content, tips and tactics, all that jazz, then go leave this podcast a review wherever you listen to podcasts at. Much.